Well, good morning. It's a great day to be in the house of the Lord, isn't it? As it is every Sunday, but it's a beautiful day, and we've got such a wonderful turnout. So, as Bill said, this is a, a first time for me, and the first time the church has done this in a while, so I appreciate the support. And I'll just say a blanket thank you for all those who supported me through prayer and just encouraging me and just being willing to help go through my outline and help me refine it. So instead of making it like the Academy Awards where I thank everyone for the next two hours, I'll just say thank you in mass. Um, today, the title of our message, you can put it up on the screen there. Okay, faith in the light of choice. I'm glad I got my verses up here. Faith in the light of choice. So what does that mean? So let's take a look at what it doesn't mean. Um, when we have challenges in our lives, right, we're often pressed into prayer, right? And I look around this room, a number of people have had illnesses, family members sick, life-changing circumstances, things happening. And as believers, we draw closer to God. We pray harder. We pray more fervently. We, we just, he refines us in that process. Well, we're going to talk about those times today where maybe, just maybe, you have a choice to be bold in your faith or you chose to be quiet and just hope the world passes you by. So we're going to talk about being faithful when there's choice. And we're going to talk from really the, the backdrop. This is going to be Book of Daniel, Daniel 3. And re recap the, the story right here. Nebuchadnezzar builds this massive idol. And this thing, you know, is, is massive. Translating is, uh, it's about 90 feet by 9 feet. So this is massive. And he is just, you know, expecting everyone to bow down to it. So um, let's go to our first verse here. It's going to be verse 4 and 5 in Daniel 3. And I'll read it here. A herald loudly proclaimed, people of every nation and language, you are commanded. When you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, drum, and every kind of music, you are to fall face down and worship the golden statue that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. So right here, they're forced into a situation because we know if they don't, they're going to be punished. And they're punished severely if they don't. So the first thing we see in this verse 4 and 5 is their faith. And why the whole idea of bowing down is it's obvious if you're not going along. There's a lot of times in life where you can just kind of shuffle about and no one will know any different. But here, he forces them. Right? He forces them to be on the ground so it's clear. And true to form in these situations, there's always somebody goes and points. Look at that guy. He didn't bow down. And that's exactly what happens to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They are called out, and then they get an audience with Nebuchadnezzar, who gives them another chance. And he says, sorry, we have to stand in our God. We cannot worship you. We cannot worship the idols that you create. So what happens? He amps up the fire seven times hotter to really punish him because he's really furious. But what happens, we all know. So if we jump to the next verse here, you're down to verse 24 and 25. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leapt to, leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, your majesty. He said, look, I see four men walking around the fire unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like the son of the God. Wow. Wouldn't have been enough for these guys to come out of the fire without any harm, without any clothes burned. Nope. Visibly saw the Lord in the fire with them. This was a sign to Nebuchadnezzar. Their faith, and God was there to deliver them, right? So they stood in their faith. They get the deliverance by standing in that faith. And then ultimately, we jump down to the next verse. We're going to skip to is verse 28. Nebuchadnezzar explained, praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent an angel and rescued his servants who trusted in him. They violated the king's command and risked their lives rather than serve or worship any except their own God. Wow, how powerful. They stood in their faith. He delivered them. But ultimately, God was glorified in that fire. At the end, it was visible for all. And that is the story we need to think about when we are tentative, right? 
we need to make sure that as we stand in our faith, it ultimately will glorify God. We may go through some trial. He'll be with us, but it's something that we have to deal with. But so now I'm going to keep those points in mind. We're going to talk about today and a, a challenge that we're facing, right? So several weeks back, the family and I were walking around Morristown on a beautiful Sunday afternoon like this one. And for those of you who have been there, there's some beautiful old church buildings. There are two 250-year-old buildings. They're just magnificent, stained glass, stone. But what was prevalent on all of them, and these are the ones on South Street and around the Green, so the most prominent churches in the town, and they all have pride flags or banners or signs with signs like come in for songs of inclusion and things like this. And if you didn't know any better, you would think that that banner was representing the church and not the cross because it was more prevalent, more noticeable. And so I started to think about this and realized, and I've had conversations with several of you in here over the last you know, couple of years of how fast it feels like it's been in our face, how fast we're being told to accept this. And I'll give you some examples. Uh, you may work in a company where they make you use your pronouns, and you may have to refer to people by their pronouns, and if you don't, you can get in the hot water. We have seen the late, late, latest thing is, you know, these things about drag queen story hours. We are seeing, you know, movies that target children. Um, in some of these school districts now, you're actually seeing, you know, material that is for a younger age that is what we can consider explicit. So you may not have been aware of these things, but these things are happening. They're happening around us, right? Um, if you work in a company, in a corporation, they may change their colors to the pride colors, which is okay. But I had a former colleague got sent a t-shirt with the pride colors on it and said, you need to wear this on your team video calls. Now, if you stand against that, you're going to be the one who's the odd man out. So again, you're forced with this choice, right? And the Presbyterian Church USA is actually behind a movement called the Queering of the Bible. They want to make a queer-friendly version of the Bible. So these are the things that we're facing. They're trying to take and create confusion. And what they're trying to do to all of us is tell us that we have to either embrace this or we're haters, right? And that's not a position we can be in. We can't be hating people, but we also can't embrace it. And so let's, let me make sure I reset here. I'm not trying to persecute a person for their belief. I'm not trying to go after and say that, hey, you know, you know we might know people who, have, who are you know, gay, but that's fine. When I'm talking about what that movement has become and what it means for us and the impact it has. So it's about the movement, not the people. Thank you, Bill, for that line. Um, that was, I was trying to figure out how to say it, and he said that. So why don't we talk a little bit about reviewing the truth, right? So let's start with the first verse in Genesis. They're on the screen. This is Genesis 1.27. So God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created the male and female, right? Two genders, right? Amen? We're clear. If we were to look at the next verse, which I don't have on the screen, the purpose was to be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth with his children. That was the whole plan. But what happens? We all know sin gets in the way and created a whole raft of issues that we are still dealing with today and will be until he comes again. So <clears throat> um, that's where it started. Now let's take a look at some of the things that talk about that sin. So our next verse is going to be in... Uh, 1 Corinthians verse six, uh, verses, uh, chapter 6, 9, and 10. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor the idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor the thieves, nor the greedy, nor the drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. There's a lot of stuff listed there, okay? Lots of stuff. 
and these are lifestyle choices, right? If you're gonna, if you're a thief or you're a, you know, a swindler, you have the same problem. But we're talking about one because of because of what it has done in our society and what it's actually starting to do back to us as Christians, and how they're expecting us to respond, because we seem to have moved past the point where you live your life your way, I live mine my way. We have different beliefs, and we can just go about our business. It's almost as if it's being thrust upon you to accept this, right? And that's the challenge for us. We are being put in the uncomfortable spots now. We are the ones who are, have to defend ourselves. We're the ones in certain situations who have to have the courage to say, I'm sorry I believe different. I have a different opinion. I believe what the Bible tells us. We have to be the ones explaining that to our you know, people at work potentially, right? We have to be able to do that to a lot of people. We need to be able to be vocal about this, right? So if we go look at the next set of verses, we're going to look at Romans 1. This is verse, we're going to go through several slides here, verses 26 through 32. Because again, it's another passage that highlights this. For this reason, God delivered them over to their disgraceful passions, right? So we know that the context here is he said, hey, you want to go down that path? You want to continue to sin and not repent from your sin? I'll give you over to your passions. I'll blind you. I'll let you go. Their women exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. The men in the same way also left natural relations with women and were inflamed in their lust for one another. Men committed shameless acts with men and received their, in their own persons the appropriate penalty of their error. And because they did not think it worthwhile to acknowledge God, God delivered them over to a corrupt mind so they do what is not right. They are filled with unrighteous, evil, greed, wickedness. They are full of envy, murder, quarrels, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, arrogant, proud, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, senseless, untrustworthy, unloving, and unmerciful. Although God knew the sentence, although they knew God's sentence, those who practice such things deserve to die. They not only do them, but applaud others who practice them. <laughs> Sounds like a pretty familiar story, right? I mean, we've seen even towns putting on pride parades, right? We're now, we're now not just celebrating or, ex or allowing, you know, people to say, I, I think differently, but we're applauding the lifestyle in a grand fashion. And it has become a real challenge for us, right? So they're basically exchanging God's truth for a lie. We know this, correct? But today, we still face punishment. We're seeing an increase in that, especially in these last couple of years. Now, you all might be thinking about a situation where it was at work. You may have worked, talk, walked away from something. How many times you walk away from a conversation where someone says something crazy, and you go, you take a deep breath and you say, I don't want to get into it. We're not going to agree. You go home and you tell your wife, um, you tell your friends, you say, can you believe the way this person thinks, that this person is, sees it this way? I really wanted to say something, but I didn't. How many times, I think we can probably all think about a situation where we just, we pulled back just a little bit on that, right? We just, we didn't, we weren't bold in our faith to say, well, let me tell you how I think. And then, again, you don't have to be hating on people. You don't have to be in your face, you're wrong, I, let me explain my position, biblically, right? Stand on that, stand on that Bible. I'm going to put out a couple of examples here um, that have happened to people uh, that have been in the news in the last couple of years, and I guess in the same time period where we see this uptick in anger towards us as Christians, right? Um, the first one is, comes to us in, from Finland. Um, I hope I get this name right, Raivi Rasinen. Well... Her crime was she posted from Romans chapter 1, verse 24 and 25, because her church had, 
thrown some support behind the LGBTQ movement. And she posted on social media, nothing more, nothing less. She didn't, con there was no context around it. She didn't put any hateful words around it. She just quoted the Bible. She was tried under her country's hate crime laws. Now, she spent probably a year or so in court battling this, and she won her first victory. But there's still this idea that there's a talk about an appeal that to a higher court and also potentially additional charges coming. And all she did was quote the Bible. Shouldn't we be allowed to quote the Bible? Well, one of the other challenges is that um, you might be saying, well, you know, that's Finland, that's, that's Europe, that's another country, another, another continent. It doesn't happen here, right? And we like to think we're isolated because of the ocean. But it wouldn't be the first time that progressive ideas had started there, you know, kind of drift over here. And if you've been paying attention, you already hear people talking about, you know, murmur of the Bible is hate speech and should it be changed, right? There's people who want to rewrite it so that it's more friendly, right? Why would we want to rewrite God's word? We need to stand in that word. So I'll give an example that happens here. A pastor, a bivocational pastor, Brandon Huber, who's in Missoula, Montana. This was a Clinton Community Bible Church. Their church had supported a local food bank. They had made lunches for this food bank. They had distributed them. What the, what the food bank did is they put in flyers, you know, again, affirming, you know, the LGBTQ movement in these. And so the, the church took a bit of a black eye, as you can imagine. And, you know, the pastor went to his elders and said, you know, what do we do? And the elder board basically said, yeah, no, we can't, we can't continue to support this. So they gave the food bank a choice. Either you don't put these flyers in and we can continue to do this. But if you're going to do that, we, we, can't, we can't do this. The food bank decided, no, no, we're going to, we have to do this. So they decided their own lunch program, stepped away from it, you know, again, had to write a letter saying why we were going to disconnect the program. The problem for Mr. Huber, unfortunately, is, and this is an ongoing problem, is his other job is a realtor. And there is a code uh, in the National Association of Realtors that say, you know, it's considered um, discriminatory action, what he did. Now, even though all he did, all this man did, was to um, use his preaching requirement of what, what the Bible tells him to do, and say why we can't support something with full support of the church. All he did was get in trouble for that. They fined him right now $5,000. They're threatening to be able to not let him do his, his, his work because he can't, you know, because of his license is impacted as a result. So what does he do? He goes and tries to take him to court and says, hey, listen, I'm allowed to have religious expression, right? I'm allowed to express my freedoms. Well, the court rejected the claim and said, hey, you signed up for this. You need to go through all of the potential punishment and whatever the, the whole association he's got to go through. You've got to let that play itself out before you can come back to the court and then do something. So this man's you know, whole ability to earn money is now hanging in the balance while he fights this. He refuses to pay the fine, but he's going to stand on his word. Now, I don't know all the, the gory details and what was said in the letter and how it was portrayed, but ultimately, you know, if any one of us carried out a message from this church and then had our personal lives disrupted, we would be shocked, we'd be amazed that this is happening, right? But I'll turn to the most notable one. Um, anyone who Riley Gaines is, hear the name Riley Gaines. So she's a swimmer, um, one of the top, was one of the top swimmers in the country, swam for the University of Kentucky. One day she was forced to compete against biological males. And there's the whole story behind it and how it was unannounced and it was just 
you know, this man showed up swimming as a woman, and she was forced into a competition against her. And there's a whole chain of events that happens around that ultimately she ties him in the race, but the committee decides to give him the trophy and says, sorry, just an arbitrary decision. We only have one, and, and he's going to get it. She's incensed by this, as you can imagine, and she has decided to try to make her work right now fighting for the right of women's sports because she recognized, and we see this in other places, where biological males are competing and beating women. So what are we going to have women's sports for? There's nothing to be left. So if you have a daughter, especially someone who's in sports, you might want to pay attention to the, what she's doing because she's basically putting her career on hold. She has testified in front of Congress on this issue. She's trying to call out other athletes to bring them into the fold and say, won't you support this? Won't you support the sports that gave you notoriety? Um, she went to San Francisco State University to preach on this, or talk on this, not preach, talk on this topic. She was met by an angry mob led by a man in a dress who physically assaulted her. She got locked into an office and was holed up there for several hours while the mob was waiting outside for her. They called the police. The police said, we can't be taking sides in these issues. So here you are, she's you know, kind of wondering what's going to happen. The mob told her, we're not going to let you out unless you pay us. Eventually the situation resolved itself, everyone went home. What I had not known about her faith until just recently, um, within the last few weeks, literally, she, she was at Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia, interviewed by Pastor Gary Hamrick, and it's on YouTube, it's about 20 minutes, and I think it's a great story if you really want to hear her end and her tell it in her words as I'm just kind of paraphrasing her, but when they turned to her faith, I really felt better because at this point, I knew she was fighting for, you know, biology, I had no idea what, you know, how she felt about the Bible and the Lord, and she said... <clears throat> I can see how God is moving in my life through these efforts. So she'd been empowered by that. She sees what the Lord is doing. But her next statement was even more powerful. She said, I see the enemy working against us in the opposition. The enemy working against us in opposition, right? She then says, I see it as a battle of moral versus immoral. It is a spiritual battle. It's a spiritual warfare. So standing up in the middle of it, she recognizes what we're fighting with this. And that is what we're all going to fight when we want to stand against it. As we want to talk about the truth of this book and really the truth of our position and how we feel, people don't want to hear it. They want to reject that. It's an unfortunate place that we're getting to. But we really need to be continuing to fight and continuing to, to continue to do these things. Um, even this morning... Uh, there were several issues, technical issues. We haven't had technical issues in months, and then we have glitches with cameras and lights and, and even you know, issues with staffing and stuff like that. So, again, until the last minute, there's always someone going to fight against you, right, because you want to speak truth. We need to keep speaking that truth. We have to be bold. We have to, we have to continue because we know God is going to be with us in this trial. Our next verse comes from Psalm 34, 19. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. So we are going to face these issues. We're going to have challenges. But here it is again. We saw it in Daniel. We see it here. The Lord is going to deliver us from those trials. Be rest assured. Put your trust and faith in him. He will deliver you. The question is, when you're faced with these situations, how are you going to respond? We know this is spiritual warfare. We recognize this is spiritual warfare. Our next verse is uh, 
or Proverbs 3.27. Do not withhold good from those, who choose to, from those whom it is due when it is in your hand to do it. Again, here's a, they're imploring us. We know what the truth is. We need to be able to tell the truth. We need to continue to tell the truth. We need to be willing to face the circumstances that may inflict pain on us in the short term. Um, you know, if you go to work, and if my example of my friend who, you know, was told to wear a shirt, if you decided you weren't going to get on the team call with that shirt on, you might say, oh, it's in the wash. Oh, the camera is not working today. Or you might boldly say, you know, I, I'm sorry, I can't put that on, and here's what I believe. Now, you might be ostracized from your teammates. If you're on any kind of a leadership team, this, it, it, it amps up. It's even worse because oftentimes they're carrying the corporate mandate and the corporate direction, and they're given backgrounds with, you know, pride colors on them and saying, you got to use these on your calls. If you say no, you may be considered, considered a, you know, a career-limiting move. These are the decisions we have to make. You know, are you willing to go to a school board meeting when you hear about this? There's cases in this state that have been eruptions in these meetings. Are you willing to fight for what's right? And you might say, I'm not good at speaking in front of people. I don't, I don't know if I have the courage to stand up in front of a mic in a room like that knowing there's a lot of people against you. Are you willing to go and support those who will? There's so many ways that you can start to take a step to change what happens. Are you willing to talk to your neighbor? Maybe some you know, group you're associated with. It could be an association. It could be a sport you're playing. When those situations come up, are you willing to use that as an opportunity to stand in your faith and glorify God? Right? That's what we're really asking. That's what the Lord asks us to do. And one person can actually make a difference. And we had an example of that this year. If you follow the National Hockey League, um, like a lot of sports, they were celebrating pride and every team was having a pride night, and what they would ask the teams to do in those nights is they'd have a special color jersey for the warm-ups, the 20 minutes before the game. Well, this year it changed. One person on the Philadelphia Flyers, Ivan Provorov, said, I'm sorry, I cannot put this on. I stood in his faith and said no. The team said, well, if you're not going to wear it, you're not going to play. He said, fine. He took a beating on social media. He took a beating in the media. As you can imagine, a lot of stuff was hurled at him, insults and have you, what have you. Well, a couple teams followed suits. An entire team said, we're not going to put this on, presumably because they got together and said, guys, either we all do it or if someone here doesn't want to do it, we're not going to hang him out to dry. Those teams themselves took a beating. Their own beat writers punished him. Their own beat writers wrote articles saying, how dare they? This was a decision that was made. They just needed to get out and go along, right? But that's what you're being told. Just go along. Well, the net is the NHL's changed its policy on this matter. Okay, so they said next year, no special jerseys allowed, so they've, they've ducked the whole controversy. But again, this one person started that little thing to roll, and you can do the same thing. I'm not asking you to go out with a megaphone. You don't have to be, you know, shouting from the rooftops, but we all have places where we can make that connection. It's one of those things they taught us in Pittsburgh in the mission trip about that whole idea of communal missioning. You're in a community. You can talk to people that you connect with, right? It might be someone at the gym. It could be someone at the coffee shop, but you have that opportunity because we know that silence is really not an option. So our next verse is from Galatians. Okay, Galatians 1, verse 10. For I am now, for am I now trying to persuade people or God, or am I striving to please people? If I were to be trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. So here it is, right? When we withhold, are we trying to keep the peace, so to speak, or are we willing to be bold? It's clear. If we're not going to be bold and we're, and we're trying to please people, we're not serving Christ. And that's something you need to think about. And maybe it takes you a couple of these moments that pass you by before you get onto one and say, you know, I need to do this. But I encourage you, continue thinking about the little ways that you can do that. 
There's also a historical example of why silence is not a good idea. <laughs> we know about what happened in the Holocaust and all the atrocities and the horrors, but you have to ask yourself, what happened in the church? You ever think about that aspect? What happened to the church? What happened to the people who are God-fearing, went to church on Sunday, believed, and how did this happen all around them? Well, <clears throat> when the Nazis took, took power in 1933, there was already the undercurrent of you know, anti-Semitism, full stop. Catholic Church, the Vatican cut a deal with the, with the Nazis and said, you know, don't close our schools and, you know, we won't talk against you. Go figure, Hitler reneged on that, but expected. But two-thirds of the population is Christians, not Catholic Christians. Um, one, the German Evangelical Church became officially the state church. They adorned the symbols, the Nazi symbols. They hung the banners in their churches. They took the culture and brought it into the church as we see today with the flag, right? They got on board with this. And again, they were clearly predisposed to it. On the other end, you've had the confessing churches, and this is where names like Dietrich Bonhoeffer, where you may remember in the past, Pastor Ted has spoken that name here a couple times, and we referenced Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was willing to stand against it, or Martin Niemöller. These are people who recognized the evil and spoke against it. And in, the, in doing so, they lost their lives. They paid for standing on that truth. But the question is, those two are the outliers. They're still the smallest of point. It was all the people in the middle who were silent, who did nothing. Could you imagine if some of those people would stand in their faith there? Would we be in a different situation? Would we be in a different outcome? We'll never know. But we know that inaction is not something that we really can afford to do. Because it also tells us this in the Bible. So our next verse is uh, Psalm 1.5. Therefore, the wicked will not stand up in judgment nor the sinners in the assembly of the righteous. Folks, there it is, right? We know that if people continue to live in a sinful life and continue to live that way, judgment's going to come, it's going to be too late. And it's our, really our responsibility to ensure we speak truth to people, implore them to follow a life of God, implore them to do these things. It's really important. Our next verse James 4, 17, so whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. So now if you're thinking back through some time, maybe in the past couple weeks you just didn't speak the message to someone or didn't engage someone and you saw them doing something that was sinful and didn't speak, now let this sink in, right? Let that be fuel for the next time because there will be a next time. We live in a bro broken world, especially in the area we're in. As a matter of fact, when we were in Pittsburgh and the people said, oh, you're from the Northeast, man, that's a, you're on the mission front, you know, comparatively to what we're speaking. When people come from, say, the, the South or the, the lower Midwest where it's a whole different ballgame. So people around us recognize that. So please, it is important. But recognize also that Jesus took all those sins to the cross for us. And all we have to do is believe. You know, that is the ultimate act of love what he did for us. Let's say it. These churches and these, some of these people like to say, well, love is love. Well, love is not to condone wrong behavior. Love is here to be, speak correction to people. Would you let your kids do the wrong thing? You speak lovingly to them. You correct them. You do these things for them. That's what love is about. It's about showing people the right and doing it in a manner that is loving and proper, not screaming at them, not condemning them, but trying to reach them in a loving manner. Friends, faith in God, <clears throat> even in situations 
that are potentially threatening, you know, maybe life-threatening, maybe just our job security, maybe, you know, threatening in our social circle, ultimately will show God's glory. So the question is, what are you going to do in your place of work, around the people you're connected to? What are you going to do? It's easy to come in here and, and compare notes and, and be in agreement, but when we leave here, the mission begins. We went to a church uh, in the Outer Banks last year, and right outside the top of the door it said, you're entering the mission field. Remember that, right, as we do this. So, folks, I challenge you, what are you going to do the next time? How are you going to take and know what truth is and stand in that truth and help others recognize that? So I want to put one last verse here on the screen and close this. So when Riley Gaines was interviewed, they asked her what her favorite verse was. And she said, for I consider, Romans 8.18, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed to us. That is the important thing, right? We know that we might suffer. We could be ostracized from our friends. We could be put in the corner in our work. Any multitude of things can happen, but ultimately know what we are here playing for, what we, who we are really trying to follow. And it's ultimately, those are the things we have to remember. We're here as visitors for a short time. It is the eternity that we need to be focused on, and that eternity means we're bold in proclaiming his message. So with that, we'll go to the Lord in prayer as the praise team comes back up here. Dear God and Heavenly Father, Lord, just uh, I pray that all hear this message today and it sinks into people's hearts as to providing boldness and courage to act in situations where it may not feel comfortable to act. Lord, we know that the easiest thing to do is continue on in our lives and not say anything, but Lord, just pray that people have the courage to engage and maybe in a small way. Lord, it doesn't have to be a bold statement, but willing to talk about their faith so that people start to recognize that we are Christians. If we leave this room and people don't know that we're Christians, and Lord, we need to think about how do we change that. When we go to work or we go to school or we, we exist somewhere, we want people to know what we believe and how we believe and we, in a way we conduct ourselves, the way we're willing to engage with people. So Lord, just give everyone the strength and the, and the confidence and the courage to spread your word, to know its truth, to stick with that truth and not be bent into what the world is doing. Just Lord, as we all leave here today, I just pray that... Um, we just have renewed spirit for this. And it, you know, our ability and our desire to carry that word forward is, um, brings us to a new level. I pray this in your son's name. Amen.